0: Got a favorite Kate Bush song that you want to leave a couple of thoughts on? Well, you can call our hotline at 1-757-349-6369. That's 1-757-349-6369. And your thoughts could be played on a future episode. Hope to hear from you. Strange Phenomena now has a Patreon page. If you would like to support the show, then you can visit patreon.com slash Kate Podcast to see what wonderful rewards we're offering for your support of the show. Thank you. And now, on with the show.
1: About this song, um, this song called The Fog on here, featuring your father as himself.
2: Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well... I could make a run to the store 50 to get 50% off that's factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off (laughs) my first feature film (laughs) family affair this album tell me about that song it's
1: it's it's it's, i'm not i haven't quite got the hang of it but it's something to do with childhood it's something to do with childhood memories and grow up and stand on your own two feet and off you go I, i think so anyway but you tell me what you were thinking Yes, well, that's, um, that's jolly good. Um, Don't it, be wrong. No, no, it's not. It's, again, it's quite a complex song where it's very watery uh, and it's meant to be this sort of idea of big expanses of water and, and being in a relationship now and flashing back to being a child being taught how to swim and using these two situations as the idea of of learning to let go. When I was a child, my father used to take me out into the water and um, he'd hold me by my hands and then let go and say, OK, now come on, you swim to me. And as he'd say this, he'd be walking backwards so the gap would be getting bigger and bigger. And you know, you're sort of going, blum, <laughs> But it's all that, you know, I thought that was such an interesting situation there, you know, where you're scared because you think you're going to drown, but you know you won't because, you know, you trust your father and your father won't let you drown, hopefully. <laughs> and same for him, you know, he's kind of, he's kind of letting go. He's letting his child be alone in a situation you know, he has to everyone's learning and hopefully growing and and the idea with the relationship was to be in this again, back there swimming and being taught to swim, but not by your father, by your partner. And the idea of it's okay because you are grown up now, so you don't have to be frightened because all you have to do is put your feet down and the bottom's there. The water isn't so deep that you'll drown. You put your feet down, you can stand up, in fact, it's only waist height. Look, you know, what's the problem? You know, what are you so worried about? You know, which, uh, again, I think it's such a human condition where we actually, a lot of the time, have such fear of things that actually there's no need to be frightened of at all. You know, it's all in our heads, this big kind of trap, you know, that actually it's not always as terrifying as we think. And I guess, um, again, you know, it's meant to be saying, okay, so it can be rough, but there must be a way out. You know, it's all right.
0: (laughs) Welcome to Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I am Cecily Link. And this week, we're going to be talking about track three from Kate Bush's sixth studio album, The Central World. We're going to be slipping into not the morning fog, but just the fog. (laughs) And with me to talk about the song this week is someone who hasn't been on the show. in about We haven't actually recorded in about a year, almost exactly a year. We're recording this in early September. It's actually September 1st. So when this is being recorded, so you get to know in how far in advance I record these things. And we're going to be talking
3: with... Hi, I'm Zoe. You didn't Woo! miss me. I know. It's okay. Well, Cecily maybe did because she's nice. But I'm, here, I'm back <laughs> to annoy you guys all again with some this analysis that you didn't want and didn't ask for. Um, I love this song. I claimed oh it yes. way back in, like, 2017. I know, like, one of the first times I ever talked to Cecily, I was like, okay, I'm doing the song, And I didn't even love it that much that time. I don't even know if I did. But ever since I first heard it, the number, I have like, I need to talk about the song because the first thing that ever came to my mind when I heard it, and I always still hear, is the opening, you see I'm all going up now, for me mm-hmm. will always parallel, so sit up, dance up, I know it would be young, but I've got feelings too, <laughs> and it, Brittany fears I'm a slave for you. I'm like, I need to share that insight with the world, so that they can never hear the fog, not hearing I'm a slave for you, alongside it, ever again. So there you go, absolutely <laughs> over. No, that's not true. I have a lot more things to share. But,
1: yes, we
3: do. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, Cecily's right. It's like exactly, pretty much exactly a year to the day from the last time we recorded.
0: Mm-hmm. Very happy to be back. And I believe the last one we recorded was, the, I think it was Hello Earth. Yes, it was. Yay! We are, so we are, we
3: are stuck in the water.
0: Yes, we are. We, we're, we're just still like swimming around and
3: trying we're to We're treading water, different. trying not to. So we're in the, the exactly a year, still a song about water. I'm mm-hmm. sitting in the exact same place, very different world. Let's let's get out of that world into the sensual world because <laughs> we don't we just want to be in the sensual world right now. No real world.
0: Now, I will have to say I'm actually because, you know, a year ago when we were talking, I was in a different state. I have since yeah. moved and there is definitely I'm actually closer now to water than I was before. And I can tell you, cause I live now out in the country and there is always a lot of fog in the morning. Like I wake up in the morning when I go to do my job working from home and I open up the windows so I can let the cats up. Cause you know, they have to have the windows up. So they can be like, Hey, gotta look out, gotta see, gotta protect you. And I look out over the fields and it's just in most mornings it's like this light misty fog. It's so beautiful. Except though in this song, like the fog is we're going to talk about like fog is more ominous. And, ooh, scary.
3: Yeah. Dark Soul Terrors. Yeah. And I'm in, I'm from New York City, born and raised, lived there in Brooklyn. But um, I currently am in Fire Island, not the gay part, always have to preface, which is like the locus of like all of my swimming issues and like a lot of personal connections with this song. So it's mm. good, good placement. Like I go in a different state. I'm in a different mental state than last year, but same thing. Um, I was notorious in my summer camp. So I went to camp out here. It was like a BF kind of camp with only three hours a day. But, um, <laughs> But <laughs> I was, like, camp. notorious. I know, right? But, okay. So it was notorious. I was notorious for being the worst swimmer in the whole camp. Like, out of all the kids in Fire Island. There was once even the town librarian. So I would. I guess to help the context is that when I was, like, I was born with a lot of hearing issues. I had to have three, you know, like, those types of surgeries where they caught getting a set of tubes. I had that mm-hmm. three times. So oh. I always had, like, earplugs as a result. And I think that made me, like, scared of water and stuff. Um, but... The town librarian, who ironically was kind of mean, which you wouldn't expect, she at one point like I was so bad at swimming, and I would I refused to jump in the water like normal people do. I've mm-hmm. always been weird. She at one point, town librarian is walking by and literally threw me in, like that. Oh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I, I was just yeah, that was not good. I still can really barely swim, so I go to the beach like every day when I'm here. I never go in the water, even if it's flat. I just. Oof, it just turned me off. So I, both of us have swimming issues that feed into our connections with bones. We would have awards at the end of every summer. And every single year I got most improved swimmer because it was like, if I did anything, that was an improvement. (laughs) If I like went underwater once, it was an improvement. If I like Mm -hmm. put a foot out, it was an improvement. So I got that award every year. Kate Bush's father would have been proud.
0: (laughs) And meanwhile, I did not learn to properly swim until I was in my 30s. Because I was a landlocked suburban yuppie kid growing up in the D.C. Why? suburbs. Yeah. Yeah. So I never, we didn't go to, I knew kids who would go and visit Ocean City or they would travel south to Virginia Beach, where, around where I used to live. But I never went to the beach also because I'm like pale, you know, pasty, very, very pasty mm-hmm. white girl, red hair. And so mm-hmm. I burn easily. And if I would ever spend any time outside, even like five minutes I would start to look like I burned. And I'm like, I was only outside for five minutes, I swear. So I never really went to the ocean and we had a neighborhood pool, but I didn't really swim around in there too much. So I didn't learn to swim until I was 30, 32, something like that. I'm 35 now as of this recording. And when I started learning to swim, it was at a local Y and I was going there with my, um, I was going there with my now ex. And um, he was Boy Scout, so he would teach, he was starting to teach me how to swim. And so as he was teaching me how to swim, I was fucking scared. I really was because I was afraid that I would make one little wrong move and I would drown because you know, you can drown even, even in just a foot of water, they say. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I was afraid of. And also I was always under the impression that I could not float because I would try to float as a kid and I just couldn't do it. Now I can fucking float. I can float with the best of them. I can swim on my back. I can do all that fun stuff. I haven't done that in about a year or so, but, you know, I'm sure that swimming, like riding a bicycle, you never really forget how to do it, you know? So that was my issue with swimming. I was just, I, I was scared to do it. I was a, And I didn't like it if whenever if I ever got, like, water up my nose because that chlorine would just burn as it went down my throat mm-hmm. I hated it. So when I get the song, The the Fog, like, I didn't really have much personal connection to it. First time I heard it on The Central World, I liked it, but I was like, I don't know, there's just, it wasn't quite grabbing me, but it wasn't until I started learning to swim that the the fog made sense to me.
3: Yeah, now I'm thinking about it. It's a weird mixture of imagery, because it's like of nature imagery, right? Because there's the fog imagery and the water imagery. And listen, I'm, I'm from New York City. I don't know much about nature. But in my mind, those things don't really like go together. I feel like on this album more than others, she, and I'll mention this later, um, she kind of just, it's like what she said, about Love and Anger, how she just, how she said this is the song of hers she understands the least because it just mm-hmm. kind of came out. it's like as opposed to her story songs it's like, well this person's was like, the understudy the person in the Ko Notre Dame. this is just like I'm just writing what whatever is coming out of me. And so what comes out doesn't necessarily like make as much sense. It doesn't tell a specific story. it's more conveying ideas.
0: Yeah, because and also just the way this song begins we'll when we get into the structure. I find this song also very interesting structurally too. mm-hmm because of the way that it starts and then like where you end with the song is in a completely different place from how where you started mm-hmm. I find that to be very interesting structurally I mean, I'm I'm always fascinated with the structure of Kate's songs because they're not it's not like strict you know verse chorus verse chorus it's it's yeah it goes and I've talked about this in a lot of episodes that and a part of what I love about Kate's music is that she doesn't follow that that Strict formula that I've learned, you know, songwriting one on verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge. If you want to, and then a chorus. it doesn't really have that. It's it's very it, it's very flowing and liquid, very much.
3: Yeah, definitely. And it's and it you can focus more on the structure because there aren't these dense lyrics that you have to have footnotes for. You know, like a song like Houdini. But yeah, yeah, we can uh, go on in. I'm not resisting every word to dive in.
0: So yeah, the story behind the song, so this is the third track on the sensual world, and it notably features the voice of her father, Dr. Bush. So she has her dad in there, which makes sense because she's got the imagery in there of, you know, a parent and their child teaching them how to swim. And production-wise, we've got a lot of the usual folks who have played on Kate's recordings, like um, Stuart Elliott, Um, playing on the drums and Alan Murphy on guitar. Now on solo violin we have Nigel Kennedy who notably played the violin on Experiment 4. Jonathan Williams playing the cello, and we have a Celtic harp from Alan, St- I'm going to say Stevil Stievel, I might have to punch that one in there, uh, who I know of Hello. as, um, he's a Celtic harpist. He's actually worked with one of my other favorite artists, uh, Nolan LeHoy, uh, who is known for doing kind of French slash Celtic music, um, whistles from uh, Davy Spillane, uh, dialogue Dr. Bush, and notably the orchestra was arranged by Michael Kamen. Who has who has worked? Who was a very sought-after arranger for a number of people um, like Pink Floyd, David Gilmour, and Roger Waters, Queen, Eric Clapton, Roger Daltrey, Aerosmith. I could give David Bowie, Brian Ferry, Erythmics, Rush, Metallica, and of course mm-hmm. Kate. He actually uh, for for Kate he's done. Uh, orchestra for the songs "This Woman's Work," "Heads Were Dancing," this song, and note of, "and uh, Moments of Pleasure," uh, substantially building upon a simple piano theme Bush had composed. In this instance, and many others, he conducted the orchestra personally for the recording. So that's kind of jumping ahead to "Moments of Pleasure," but he's the one who did yeah. those strings. On moments of pleasure, they're just, oh my God, those drinks. Oh my God, they just get me.
3: Yeah, that's definitely her most probably orchestral song. I'm probably pronouncing
0: it wrong. Kamen has had a successful partnership with Brian Adams, composing scores for songs. So, everything I do, I do it for you. Sorry if it's now in your head if you know that song. Uh, He wrote that song. And he passed away in 2003 at the age of 55 of a heart attack. He died in London. So, major. Uh, major orchestra arranger there on the song and that orchestra. Oh my god! When we started talking about like the, that yeah. that's one of my favorite parts of the song. Oh
1: my god!
3: Totally. So i have important question because I don't have the vinyl of this, so I can't check like the, the way it's listed. Do they actually say dialogue, Doctor Bush?
0: That's what the credits say.
3: That's dialogue great. I love that, too, that is, that's I love that. That's that's too
0: cute, that. I know. <laughs> so that's a bit, production-wise, a lot of a lot of really beautiful lay i mean it's very beautiful layers in this song Mm -hmm. and with all those i personally can't hear the celtic harp in there but i probably just need to listen a little bit more closely because mostly i hear the orchestra and Mm -hmm. um, guitar and yeah oh those strings oh those strings and the cello. we've got some uh neat ideas about for what the song is about and to me it's on a general level, I think it's about growing up. A lot of this album, I feel, is like songs about like growing up and kind of figuring out who you are and relationships.
3: Like Britney's third self-titled album. Exactly. <laughs> Parallels. It is. Okay. I kid you not. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Britney's third album self-titled. parallel. I look at this
0: as uh, being about how some one of the hardest things to do when you're growing up is letting go of your fears, especially if they've kind of been ingrained in you, I guess a little bit. Um, like learning how to swim, um, learning how to swim can be very scary, and usually you learn to swim when you're a kid. You learn from your parents, and in the context of the song, especially with her dad. Saying just be, put your feet down, child. It's a dad who's teaching them how to swim and guiding them.
3: Or you're me, and you learn from the uh, from the swimming teacher who you have a crush on, but you don't realize it because you're <laughs> four and you don't know that girls can like girls.
0: Or I learned to swim from you know my now ex who was a Boy Scout and knew this stuff.
3: <laughs> I probably only learned because I had a crush on Kelly, and I was like, oh well, Kelly, I can do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Gotta impress. Um, yeah. And so for me, like like I was saying, I didn't learn to swim until a few years ago. And I remember being very scary. And it, it was hard for, for me to let go of my fears of drowning, of not getting the stroke done right the first time. And just think, looking at the pool and going, yeah, I know that's only four feet deep, but oh, God, it just feels like it's like it's deep as the ocean. Oh, God. But then just realizing, like, once you actually try it, that hey wait a minute it's not so not as scary as you think it is you just have to let go of it a little bit and as you're letting go you see that hey this isn't so bad and maybe you you even start to enjoy it a little bit even as it's scaring you but you realize that what you the fears that you had were all just in your head and that it's not not as bad as you think it is and
3: And then a shark comes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, yeah, this is great. (laughs) Yeah, shark comes up. Yeah. (laughs) Or piranha or something like that. But hopefully none of those, luckily none of those things have happened to me. After all, I'm still here in one piece. (laughs) So, I mean, for, for me, it's, I've been able also to kind of equate this to other things that I've been scared to do in life and realizing that oh wait you know if you just put your feet down the water isn't as deep as you think it is it's only waist high oh wait I can do this
3: that's really powerful that's literally a whole form of therapy oh for background if you haven't before I'm a therapist lol mm-hmm. I know but <laughs> oh, um <I> figure, definitely. <laughs> I, yeah well but um for not for you but for any reader I any mean, listeners I know you're probably gonna get a lot of new ones after the uh Bond dude episode but um so yeah so I'm the in-house therapist and <laughs> There's this whole type of therapy called behavioral activation, which is all about people with depression. They tend to, um, the whole mindset when you have depression is, I can't do this thing until I feel better. But the rever- behavioral activation is that reversing that and saying, like, actually doing the thing will make you feel better. So if you can get to that point where you're actually like doing stuff, then it's like it's outside in versus inside out. So mm-hmm. that's great. That's exactly what you're just describing with this song and your feelings about it. Yeah, and Kate in her music so often, like we talked about in it, the like get, get out of our house, get out of my house episode. There's just so, much, and like all of The Nine's Wave, like so much of her work is about confronting rather than walking away from fears. And my like whole career is about that. Besides the fear of releasing a DVD, but let's not go there. Okay, so it's right. time for my most feel. Hopefully, it'll keep it little.
0: Yeah. So, what does this <sighs> okay. song mean to you? You've got some really cool thoughts on this. And also, by the way, what you were mentioning about like, you know, getting getting yourself to the point where you can actually do the thing and that will make you feel better I had no I figured there I should have known there would be a, a term for that because that's what my therapist tries to get me to do because I deal the with depression activation oh yeah like she's like the they're like I'm like no you like actually like get in and try the thing that
3: well your is therapist is me. lucky because the kids I were I was a teenager they uh they don't do it <laughs> do I try <laughs> <laughs> I well, you can lead them yeah. to
0: water, but you can't make them drink. You're like, come yeah. on, just drink.
3: God damn You it. can't even know. I'm oh, these kids—they can't even walk in the water. But anyways, I digress. Um, yeah. So, so I have. It's interesting that I have. So, like, most of my thoughts about the song are about the meaning. But the reason I love the song is because of how it sounds. I don't even like. It's not about the meaning mm-hmm. for me. It's just about this this auditory experience. But I, I will remember when this first occurred to me. It was last summer. This is what happens with Kate songs. You're always rediscovering new riches, right?
1: Yeah. I've
3: listened to it a zillion times. I'm walking I remember from my apartment to my old job last summer, listening to a song and it hit like what this song means has hit me. Or in terms of what it means to me, I guess. And in terms I guess I had recent was yeah, last summer was when that movie Midsummer came out and there's this line in it where I didn't love it, but this line that, to go into therapy again, is so, like, important. It's where, it says, does one of the characters is asking the main character about her boyfriend. He says, does he feel like home to you? Something like that. And, kind of, I didn't consciously think at the time, but as I was then, like, writing down, I just remember writing down my thoughts on this song, and what I was thinking about what it means to grow up, and being, finding a sense of home, and been settled within the self and that it relates to this idea of finding someone who feels like home to us as opposed to just feeling at home within ourselves and how like in life we're kind of jumping from person to person to find someone who feels like home Mm -hmm. to us instead of maybe us feeling like home um but anyways so what's interesting and something actually as you were talking it just occurred to me is i think first off it's interesting that she has dr bush as the male speaker, I guess because she has to, because he's who taught her how to swim. So it's true to her experience. Because this whole water imagery, I mean, being in a pond or a lake, that's always in literature, like a womb metaphor, mm-hmm. always. Like, So it's interesting that this womb metaphor she's actually launched out into the world by the father. And so the mother kind of will knock into this, but actually kind of reminds me a lot of how in all these interviews early on, she's like, yeah, I'm thinking of myself as like a male artist, like, mm-hmm. and not, I don't feel a woman artist. So artists. like, she sees herself as being birthed by a man, right? Which she kind of loves, and male musicians like Bowie and mm-hmm. Rocky Music Nelson John. But, um, but so kind of like, on a, I agree with you very much on a general, in general sense, this song is about growing up and coming off the ninth wave, whose protagonist is battling for her life inside the deep seas, Listeners are already primed to think of the water in a Cape song as a scary place where introspection happens. Mm-hmm. So she said of the song, her quote is, growing up for most people is just trying to stop escaping, looking at things inside yourself rather than outside. Mm-hmm. And as we discussed, if you go back to the Hounds of Love intro episode um, from last season, the first episode, Cecily and I talked about a bunch about how the whole point of what makes the ninth wave supposed to be scary is arises from the terror within her and from the the act of introspection and looking inside herself more deeply than she ever had. And like having those waking the witch flashbacks is coming from within her. It's not Mm -hmm. from from an outside force. Mm -hmm. So therefore growing up means in the context of her work and this song, being able to live with this terror and no longer view it as something frightening, which is something really important in life is be able to tolerate distress and not only ever run what we were just talking about to tolerate distress and not just run away from it. Mm-hmm. And so and it's also what's interesting is the sequencing of this song on the album. And this is yes. my last prelude to kind of the main analysis, which I call the father gives the bride away narrative analysis. But like um but the sequencing, so this song ends and then the first line of the next song reaching out say, just like, no, not. just like a child reaching out instinctively sung in this very delicate vibrato-laden style, so it's just interesting that's like back in the womb <laughs> like reacting to the womb back in the womb um, kick inside, maybe this, maybe this album should have been called the kick inside um, well she did say that so she I don't know felt what like you of it that. was
0: her she, has, mm-hmm. this, she did say that, that she felt like this was her most
3: female album oh yeah, I have a lot of feelings about that yes. I <laughs> have that some means. few
0: thoughts on that as well <laughs>
3: Whatever the hell a female album means, but because I'm sorry, like girl, your most female album is *Kick Inside*, okay? But anyways, anyways.
0: <laughs> so the father giving give the gives the right away analysis.
3: Okay, well I don't know. I was curious. Do you have any thoughts about the sequencing thing of how this song ends, which is about kind of this womb experience or growing up experience, and then she's like the next song is so childlike and about the experience of a child.
1: Yeah,
0: this and also like how this comes after. A song that is very chaotic and mm-hmm. has a lot of things going on that, that that Kate doesn't, Kate herself doesn't even know what it's really about. It's just her trying to write a, you know, she would say, she would say in interviews, you know, that bloody song. <laughs> of course, mm-hmm. it would sound even cooler because I'm not going to try and do a British accent because it'll sound like I'm mocking when I'm not trying to. But this mm-hmm. comes after like this kind of raw, rousing sort of song about the complex, to me, about the complexity of female and male relationships. And it's very, feels very organic. And then you get into this song, and it's so heavy on the orchestra and the atmosphere. Like, this one is much, feels a little bit more dreamy in a way. If yeah. that makes any sense? And then... I was thinking of the
3: word dreamy earlier when you we were talking about it.
0: And then, yeah, the, and then the next song... Yeah, that, that, and then it going into reaching out, that one is kind of going back to a little bit of like not as much instrumentation. It's like, because every every song, I know we've talked about this on other episodes, that all of her uh, songs have their own like contained universes. They all somehow Mm -hmm. connect, but they're all so different. And yet they just make sense put together on an album. But, I find this, that the placement of this interesting, is, especially sonically, because the songs mm-hmm. around it are so different, but the, uh, like, the, the theme and some of the imagery definitely fits, all fits together. I can see what you mean by, if, you know, see how the child, uh, I don't know, see how the flower reaches out instinctively. instinctively.
3: Oh, that
0: one. Toward, to, oh, no, see how the child reaches That's out what instinctively. What to feel how fire will feel.
3: I knew I got it. I never get anything related to keep <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the song, ever. Yeah, you're the fire. Yeah, it's like, it's all that song is kind of about like figuring out the world around you in a textile way and finding a sense of security. And like, so is this. So I'm like, girl, I thought at the end of this song, you were feeling secure and launched, but like, guess not. But yeah, speaking of feeling secure, um, so the what I call like giving a bride away to the husband, that na- na- analysis which I, this is kind of what I came up with last summer, and I have made a lot less heteronormative over the past year because I realized it was very heteronormative, and it is on purpose because, so I want to preface this by stating that, of course, the romantic, this song is by a narrator who's discussing a there's a father figure and there's some romantic partner that the narrator is being launched into the arms to. And this, that obviously does not have to be read as, the narrator's a woman and the romantic figure is a man because it's reductive to ever assume that Kate Bush is a narrator of a Kate Bush song. Right. Um, however, I read it in the sense that, and most of her songs where there's not a specific story and there's just a narrator talking about a romantic partner, I usually assume that it's a woman talking to a man or vice versa just because, I mean, this is Miss 1985 interview, and I mean, you just think of much lesbians. So she's, mm-hmm. I, she's not i don't think bless her heart but i don't think she's capable really of writing about conceptualizing relationships as not as being other than huh but um, um between a man and a woman upcoming song i'll <laughs> say so before unless mm-hmm. it's in relationships as like i don't think she can do that like conceptualize that unless it's in a way like Kashka from Baghdad, another good episode to check out in the past, mm-hmm. um, where she exoticizes the gayness, or in Wow, where the he's too busy hitting the Vaseline line is kind of like an in joke. So none, though, so even so, even though God slash Kate knows that I relate to this song so much, it, like especially this particular analysis of it of like not feeling like like feeling like you want more than anything in the world to have somebody in your life who feels like home to you and not just be alone all the damn time? Has someone been in perfect quarantine? So it doesn't have to be straight. I just kind of initially take it that way, and that's where this analysis comes from, just because of her, what I know of her. I just don't think she sees gay, especially like women and women, as like a thing. But um, so here's the context. Let's get all academic, y'all. So within heteropatriarchy, and the system known as compulsory heterosexuality, which is far more complex than current Tumblr and Twitter discourse suggests. So co- compulsory heterosexuality stems especially from a fantastic, you can find a free PDF online, a short uh, article called Compulsory Heterosexuality and Lesbian Existence by Adrienne Rich. Um, Google it. It's so worth your time. It's, it put. I know when I first read it, when I was in like freshman college, it really put... A lot of things I was perceiving and noticing in the world about the way men and women relate into words I wasn't able to put into words before but so it's the term compulsory heterosexuality gets really misinterpreted in online discourse by like people who've never read the essay as meaning women are forced to be straight which like that's part of it it's a system in which women of all sexual orientations including lesbians must define themselves within relationships to men yep. like mm-hmm. right so it's like you could even be a lesbian affected by this because you're just like like, I'm not like other girls. I just have guy friends, you know? But it's, it's way bigger than even that. I mean, she has, I won't go into it, but she has this whole, like, in the article outlines eight different ways in which this system is reinforced. And it's really incredible. But so within these systems of heteropatriarchy and compulsory heterosexuality, the way, like, male, there's this, male identification is this important term defined by Rich, at, Adrian Rich, as the casting of one social, political, and intellectual allegiances with men. So, girls have a girl in her words she turns away from her heretofore primary relationship with girlfriends female friends as they become secondary to her they receive an importance in her life her own identity also assumes a secondary role and she grows grows into male identification mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's where my language comes from of the the father gives you away at your wedding to yeah. your husband you're getting passed from man to man and it's also yeah. sometimes called it traffic and woman analysis because there's another great out of woman studies. So in double major, so that's coming out. Like, there's another great article called The Traffic in Women by Gail Rubin that talks about this. Whoa. So the reason I, how does this apply to the fog, you ask? So this is the song about growing up. And my question is, what does growing up mean within heteropatriarchy, capitalism, all of that? And it means for straight women, generally, and for all women, even if you're not straight, the societal ideal is Growing up means for you to, and, for, and again, not just for when for all people, to find a partner and form a family. Yep. So, because I remember in one of my grad school classes, we were talking like young adulthood, like the markers of adulthood. And it was like, I, I, it was not good for my self-esteem. It was like, get find a partner, get married, have a child, buy a house, have a long-term job. It was all these things that like is not really applicable to us millennials because all the old, the olds have ruined the world for us. Yeah, pretty much. But like these are the, yeah. But these there are these by, like markers of what it... It's like growing up is a very loaded term. We talk about it, but we don't dissect what it means. Like, within our society, which is shaped by many forms of oppression, it, there's a very specific way that one is supposed to, quote-unquote, grow up and to do it correctly or not. Like, we make fun of people for living in their parents' basement, right? But, like, mm-hmm. maybe they have plenty of good reasons for doing so. Yeah. So, so how does this connect to the thought? So she said, the talking at the meaning of the song... You won't drown because your father won't let you drown. Then the same for him, the father. He's kind of letting go. He's letting the child be alone in the situation. The idea of the relationship is to be in this again, be there swimming and being taught to swim, Not, but not by your father, but by your partner. And I'm impressed she said partner like in mm-hmm. 1989. I wouldn't have seen the come from her. But the thing is, so in this part where she's saying he's letting go he's letting the child be alone, it's like okay for five minutes till she finds a husband for me the fog is kind of about the scariness of being in love especially relating to losing that person through like being let go by them so this initial like terror of like dad has me held tight but he's gonna let go and i don't i'm gonna be let like into the sea and the fog and all that so she compares that to the feeling of feeling let go i think it's a metaphor of this whole swimming thing i think it's just a feeling of like a metaphor for that feeling of being released into the world. Which is interesting coming from her because she kind of released herself into the world. She's the one who, like, moved to London as a teenager take mm-hmm. dance classes and essentially live on her own. And I shouldn't... I'm trying not to read this all biographical, but it just... It, is, it does feel like a personal song. Her dad is on it. So as a child, the narrator learned to grow comfortable with discomfort and eventually did learn how to swim in what she calls the deep and dark water. But now, when she's with this partner, who I kind of presume is a man... But not for anyone. They have to grow comfortable with that discomfort, that all over again that relationships present, because you once again, there's somebody. When you love somebody, there, what comes up isn't just your love for them, but your fear of losing them. Love comes. Everything exciting always comes with anxiety, right? Like nothing's ever like 100% perfect. So, like in Hounds of Love, the title track, she has that whole description of love as an overpowering, frightening force. It's mm-hmm. not something that you're like welcoming in it feels like it's taking over you as opposed to something you have control of and that's kind of the love overpowers her in the way that drowning would overpower a person who can't swim in the same way she's overpowered by love if she can't navigate this relationship and feel truly held by that person the song doesn't have that many lyrics it um, doesn't, no. right so but what it does like really gets across? But so the stanza is this love big enough to wash over me, big enough to let go of me without hurting me? Like the day I learned to swim. So, I'm just really fascinated by all of this. I'm really fascinated by how this song that growing up, starts with this image and literally the sound of Kate being let go by her father's hand. And now she's trying to be and stay held by presumably another man another person.
1: Just put your feet down, child. Cause you're all grown up now.
3: So, in my hetero version, for me, this would reflect how for women under heteropatriarchy, maturation is seen as going from father to husband's possession. Mm-hmm. For women who aren't straight, this is problematic because if you don't transfer from father to male lover in the eyes of society, you haven't, you're have not you not doing womanhood. You're not doing adulthood right. I do think that this is universal and not just applicable to straight women because society tells, especially now, I mean, with LGBT, like queerness has become so domesticated, like oh, with yeah. the legalization of gay marriage. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not unhappy gay marriage legalized but it has really domesticated what used to be a much more radical culture because now it's like yeah we'll get married like I, I remember when i was younger i was like oh at least i don't have to because i've never wanted kids but i was like well i don't have to think about that i a dyke and like now sorry if that word offends anyone i'm fine using it like reclaiming it but oh, it's offends others too. i totally understand yeah but if it offends others who are listening just wanted to apologize but now like all these women want to have kids and i'm like. Oh shit
1: (laughs) Um,
3: you know like so the issue is like you so it now becomes so domesticated and I feel like this narrative is actually quite similar for all people and men too like you have to run from the familial embrace into another's arms Mm. and then have partnership as an end goal and the key to a healthy and secure partnership is feeling like you can be released by them and they'll still they'll still be there for you when you swim back like with her father, I mean, he's literally swimming. He's literally still there for her because he's recording himself on her album. So basically, I see the song's importance theme as the importance of feeling held/slash finding someone who feels like home to you in that midsummer quote over the course of the lifespan in order to avoid the scariness of the deep dark water or fog metaphor she has. So from the parent, because so it can be from the mother, like as I said earlier, this imagery is way more womb-like than it relates to a father. So, or a grandmother who raised you, anyone who, the person who raised you, from that person to your lover, you're released, but then always kind of, I feel like, within society, we're aiming to be held again. And, and I think that it models, like I said, a kind of a healthy relationship Absolutely. because the love has to be big enough to not, yeah, to not only hold, but also let go of her, whereas, like, an unhealthy relationship would be like, no, I need to be, like, held all the time. Mm-hmm. I guess where I guess sad to me, in a way, is the fact that, like, it's modeling this this world in which we're, like, going from person to person. And what does it mean to get lost in the fog? Is that what just being a spinster is? Like, you have to spend – I would know this very well. You have to spend all day with yourself and your own thoughts. Like, is that really the worst thing in the world? You know, and, like, if we do think it's the worst thing in the world, is that because of our own loneliness or is that impact – are we lonely because society tells us we should be? It's so complex and intertwined, right? It
0: is, so, and, and definitely, yeah. like – I know what you mean about like the we know. I was hearing you talk about the hetero um, yeah, heteropatriarchy. It's a mouthful. Yeah, and also like compulsory compulsory heteronormativity. Oh my goodness! Did I encounter that sort of stuff back when I used to be a teacher in a very very conservative environment? In that kind of environment, you grew up with this idea. That it's always a man with a woman, and blah.
3: never we yeah. supposed to change. But even even if it's not necessarily in relation to heterosexuality, I just think that culturally there is this thing of like you you are if you haven't found someone, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And if you're alone, then like what is this like basically what i'm get, I'm trying to get to is what is this fog? If you go into the fog, what happens? You know, and like this the fog here seems to be kind of culturally this idea of like not finding this other person to be released to mm-hmm. or either there's kind of two alternatives, right? There's like either the love envelops you and you're overtaken by it as she describes being fearful of that happening or there's no love at all. Um, yeah. It's heavy. I know it a is. A lot happens with very few lyrics.
0: I know it, it is. And whatever there is, it's a lot of repetition of them, especially variations on is this love you know but either is this love big enough to watch over me or is this love or is this love big enough and just yeah it's it's never it's a lot of it's a lot of atmosphere it's the atmosphere yeah. that really gets you with this
3: and that's why i like it because i like the movies the songs everything i like things that are about the atmosphere mm-hmm. even more than meaning um but just kind of, well, I think, reinforces my interpretation of it because I'm always right. But also, reinforces it is <laughs> no, you um, are, like, is I, that
0: I never quite thought of it that way. But because you know, I was reading through your notes this morning, like right before during one of my breaks, and I was like, you know what, you're right because it, it is very true. Like, it, especially in the very conservative Christian environment that I taught, where not only <laughs> where it was definitely a lot of like passing from gut from man to man, and <laughs> the yeah. idea of also purity balls, you know, right. and it's the, like, the, the daughter, that the father is is keeping his daughter pure until he gets to pass her to the husband and just, uh,
3: mm-hmm. very yeah, creepy. I it's so weird. This analysis literally hit me on a walk around Park Slope <laughs> in summer 2019. Like, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And, yeah, but what so, I think reinforces that this is, like, what the song's about is that regarding her father's involvement, it's just notable to me that the other at this point in her career, the most like notable time I feel she's had a parent involved is in the that her mother in the suspended in Gatha video, Gatha, whatever. Mm-hmm. I have to make everything European. When she's saying, I'm scared of the changes, then she scurries to her mother who then holds her. So this is such a similar narrative to the story of the fog, of this like needing to be held by a parent to feel safe from whatever these vast unfamiliar scarinesses mm-hmm. of the unknown. So it's just, it's like it think like that reinforces it because it's used like showing in this motif in her work of like that parent figure being home for her, for her essentially. Mm-hmm.
0: And you, that's the way it is when you, especially when you're a kid that your parents or your guardians, I should say, um, mm-hmm. are the people that you look up to. They're the ones who teach you about the world and, uh, you know, help you, help you to find your place in it.
3: Yeah. And I guess my question, there's not, it's a rhetorical question. If anyone who listens has any thoughts, I'd love to hear them. Is then like, what does it mean then if we are, if we don't find that replacement figure, you know, like if we're, if we are alone, just yeah. like, what does that mean for us? And like, does it, yeah. In many contexts.
0: I mean, I know for, I have other friends who, um, haven't found any one person. And for some of them, they don't want to find that one person. Like they don't believe in that kind of thing. They just rather go from relationship to relationship. Um, other times it's because they're more focused on their work and they don't have enough time to date and they're just not interested in it. Or um, other other folks are uh, ones who would like to find their person but they just
3: haven't huh, yeah no this is that's hitting home because like I am um We're non-contentially single or un- 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 I'm un single not by choice and I feel actually this now I'm thinking of a lot of stuff like I do feel quite reliant on my parents in certain ways like um I mean I'm not I live a very dependent life don't tell them a lot of stuff and all that but like I'm not financially reliant on them but like i think about their death constantly. I mean, got problems, but also like, I just, I get, I just worry about it all the time. And maybe it's, maybe if I, I feel like if I was in a fulfilling relationship, I wouldn't feel that as much because I wouldn't feel that need to be held by them because I would feel held by someone else. And it just really sucks that, like, our society is one in which we feel the need to be held by another person and can't hold ourselves. But, like, also I do. I was bullied really badly in middle school and, like, that really taught me, like, I just have to be my own champion and be there for myself and so ever since then i've just always my own like best friend kind of and like i really enjoy i i spend so much time on my own and i enjoy it i don't really get bored of my own company it would just be so it's for me it's, i'm just naturally extroverted so i would like mm-hmm. to be around another person more often um and i'm like okay i already know my i've been on my own forever i'm ready to not be um so it's not that i don't think my own company or or i'm enough it's more it's like i'm tired of it Um, But I think that there are a lot of people in the world where they were trained to think it's not enough, like you're not enough. You have to be completed by a whole by a separate. I mean, talk about what I mean, speaking of Kate Bush and Wuthering Heights, you know, that whole that whole novel is a cautionary tale about people who feel like they need to feel they're not whole without someone else.
0: Yeah. So Kate has talked uh, quite a bit about the song. Uh, this is from Len Brown in the realm of the senses, and it's funny
3: to say that because I was like, she barely. When I saw your notes, I was like, I was expecting a lot more.
0: I know I was too, but um, it looks like there are. I think there's this one here. I don't know where I got this one from. It's, it's probably somewhere on Gaffa, I'm sure. But this one is uh, this one is from uh, NME, October seventh, nineteen eighty nine. She says, "quote It's about trying to grow up." Growing up for most people is just trying to stop escaping, looking at things inside yourself rather than outside. But I'm not sure if people ever grow up properly. It's a continual process, growing in a positive sense. And also, I have to add to that, that I know plenty of people my age who are who have like the emotional maturity of a four-year-old. So growing up totally, is very different totally. for very and then, people. Lots of people. Yeah,
3: and then there are people who are 22, who are like, old, you know, like, totally.
0: This one is, I wish I knew which interview this came from. Uh, the interviewer says, this, this song, The Fog, on here, featuring your her father is himself. To which she laughs and says, my first feature film!
3: <laughs> yeah, I was like, when I saw that, I wonder what she means. I mean, we don't have an answer. I wonder what she meant by that. Like, because I think this song is very cinematic in terms of what you're talking mm-hmm. about, with at- it being atmospheric. Um, but, but yeah, I'm, like you already directed some of your own music videos at this point. Like, what makes this thing? I wish they- I wish the interview would probe more there. Uh,
0: and then the interviewer said, a family affair, this album. Tell me about that song. I haven't quite got the hang of it. It's something to do with childhood, it's something to do with childhood memories, and growing up and having to stand on your own two feet. I think so, anyway, but can you tell me what you were thinking? And Kate says, Yes, well, that's jolly good. The interviewer says, Totally wrong, but. And Kate says, No, it's not. Again, it's quite a complex song where it's very watery. It's meant to be the idea of a big expanse of water and being in a relationship now and flashing back to being a child, being taught how to swim, and using these two situations as the idea of learning to let go. When I was a child, my father used to take me out into the water and he'd hold me by my hands and then let go and say, Okay, now come on, you swim to me. And he'd say this. He'd be walking backwards so the gap would be getting bigger and bigger, and then I'd go. Bleh, blah, blah, blah it says splutter Mm -hmm. so I'm just trying to splutter there Mm -hmm. I thought that was such an interesting situation where you're scared because you think you're going to drown but you know you won't because your father won't let you drown and the same for him he's kind of letting go he's letting the child be alone in this situation everyone's learning and hopefully growing and the idea that the relationship is to be in this again back there swimming and being taught to swim but not by your father but by your partner and the idea that it's okay because you're grown up now so you don't have to be frightened Because all you have to do is put your feet down and the bottom's there. The water isn't so deep that you'll drown. You put your feet down, you can stand up and it's only waist high. Look, what's the problem? What are you worried about? And then there's apparently a question missing here. And then she responds to that unsaid question that's lost in the annals of time. Again, I think it's such a human condition where we actually, a lot of the time, have such fear of things actually, there's no need to be frightened of at all. It's all in our heads, this big kind of trap. You know, that actually it's not always as terrifying as we think. Again, you know, it's meant to be saying, okay, so it can be rough, but there must be a way out. It's all right.
3: Yeah, no, that's all really important stuff, like what we were talking about, before about facing your fears and running away. I guess what mm-hmm. strikes me hearing this again is that, like she's saying, you're, you think you're going to drown, but you know you won't. The caveat is because, you know, your father won't let you go, right? So it's like, it's not like, oh, I know I won't because I'm capable. If that makes sense.
0: Right. It's, yeah, you're still relying on somebody else.
3: Which is metaphor, which is a metaphor for like my analysis of the song of being like, Mm -hmm. you can't just be okay on one, one can't be okay on one's own.
0: When I was learning how to swim, um, for me at like 32, having never really had a formal swim lesson in my life, that um, I deal with a lot of depression and anxiety. And what I'll do is like I'll I'll get worked up about things. I'll go through a million different scenarios, and maybe some of you guys listening, you're probably not in your heads. You're like, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, let me tell you, like if I am scared to do something, I will think of a million different things that can happen, a million things that might go wrong that probably wouldn't actually happen, but I'm just thinking about it because it just might. And then also I couple that with the ADD, and so I'm like, oh, yeah, over here, oh, squirrel, okay, over here, oh, squirrel again, you know, it's just it gets to be a big mess. And that I know sometimes, and I'll, I'll if I'm scared about something, like say something like between me and my partner, if I go and I talk to her about, and I'll go and talk to her about it, and she has to be the one that says, "No, no, 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 that's just the anxiety talking. It's all in your head, and it calms down." And that part, there, you know, it's all in your head's this big kind of trap that that resonates with me because I because of me dealing with. Anxiety and for me, the fog is like getting lost in your thoughts and like building things up in your head and and just and getting it, and especially with the way that it when the, the orchestra comes in and it's all dark and ominous, that's how it feels to Beautiful. me sometimes. Totally, that like, yeah, when I'm getting lost in my head. And say if you, some of you guys listening, anxiety, you're probably like, oh, uh-huh, she's speaking my language here. That it is it feels like it just kind of comes you're just yeah everything's fine everything's fine everything's fine I'm, oh shit everything's gone to shit yeah that's how it feels sometimes and i get mm-hmm. so worked up in my fears and everything and then i equate that to swimming and and that swimming was one of the things thing i was like oh no no, no. he's said like, no, no 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 i'm gonna go sit by the pool and uh, maybe i'll go splash around in the kitty pool or something like that and i don't see you know kid poopy diapers everywhere but i'm just gonna go over here and just be safe i'm not gonna go in the water Ah! and then i finally just had to get in there and do it i'm like oh this actually isn't so bad hey this is pretty cool i like it it was scary but i'm glad i did it.
3: no that does sound really powerful
0: The, the the way the strings come in for you slip into the fog that's one of my favorite favorite kate bush moments in a song ever because before that, it's it sounds like kind of this breezy guitar, and then it suddenly when you she slip you slip into the fog, and the 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 strings come in, and you just you feel for me it's like I, I feel that fear of not wanting to let go, and in context of my my anxiety like that's how it feels with the with like the the fog of. Your anxiety trying to take over you, and you, you just kind of get lost in your own head. You're lost in, in the fog in your head. Look, I'll let you go. she's using her voice like she's very especially on this album and just in general her voice she's she's got much more of a vibrato than she mm-hmm. ever really did before yeah. she usually sang she used to sing very straight tone so you know when you straight tone it's like ah, whereas vibrato ah, you get that little oscillation mm-hmm. of the sound and in this one maybe it's just because her voice is mature because at this point she's 31 years old and for sopranos that's kind of like where you start to kind of hit your peak and but there is so much vibrato. there's a lot more vibrato on this album it's not like wobbly mm-hmm. super like old lady wobble vibrato kind of thing wise manelli mm-hmm. looking at you um yeah. but it's
3: she's it's, been through her
0: yeah you can tell it's that fire. she's got the life experience and especially mm-hmm. like when she sings the high part for just put your feet down child yeah it's also a little bit breathy too the way we're but you can hear the you know the the. Oscillation of the sound, and then the same thing on "I Let You Go of You Gently," which that F5 on the I
1: just—that
0: just just, sends chills down my spine every time I hear it. (laughs) <laughs> song it's like it's kind of like a little bit trembly especially when it's just her voice and the guitar in the beginning where you can really hear like a little bit more there's a, her a little bit more maturity but also a little bit more vulnerability in there in Kate's voice just oh just it's, it's, of course I, I just love the way that she's using her voice to convey the vul- vulnerability in the song
1: and just oh just I love it just like a photo- just like a station
3: Yeah, I'm glad you used the word vulnerability because that's the one I was looking for, but couldn't stumble upon it because I kept on using delicacy. So I, what I've noticed in this song is there is a vulnerability and delicacy to her voice that alternates and shifts with more of a um, firmness. And so there's something the the atmosphere of the song because the strings is that makes it elegant. That's also unique because also when one thinks of strings. One who is me, who is also a huge cinephile, thinks of um, Psycho and Bernard mm-hmm. Herman's score for it. And Kate Bush is a huge fan of pitch hop, so it's interesting that this, the strings be very elegant, or it could be a da da okay you can be very frightening. And this probably should, and this could be the whole thigh and all thing on. But like, as this, there's nothing else quite like it. And in terms of how it sounds, and the best Kate Bush songs are the ones that I can describe that way, where I can say there's no, no other song like this. And so what you're saying, like, with the vibrato, that I let go of you gently with the F5 is definitely one of my favorite vocal moments of bal- balancing that delicacy and firmness in her voice to create the story of the narrator who, themselves, is switching between feeling independent and feeling like they need to be held and need guidance. And I think the shifting in the vocal style really reflects that and embodies it.
1: Mm-hmm. And
3: this is very much in keeping with what we've discussed in, like, all the episodes. A few, I know it definitely came up in Houdini and a bunch of other ones where... I know I've brought up that the way in which her style, her particular style of vocal control, is seems to me more in keeping with musical theater singers than traditional pop singers. Yes, definitely. Um, Like when she, yeah, like when she sings "just like a photograph," that word "like a photograph," her voice sounds almost fragile. Just Just like it does on the "just put your feet down, child." The water is only waist high. That gets extended out. But then when she sings this love is big enough, it's much more solid and grounded, her voice. The vacillating between that, I think, is like that vacillating between like, oh, no, I'm prepared to I'm drown. I mean, get lost in the fog versus I feel secure. I feel held and really embodying that. But it is definitely, and which is in line with musical theater in which the voice you're you're telling, even though this is not one of her yeah. story songs per se, the voice is telling the story versus like just conveying the words. It's really embodying this sound of all of it. It's really part of this auditory landscape and this whole, her voice and the, especially this actual orchestration, orchestration. Orchestration. Um, it's just, yeah, it's so overpowering and envelops you like the water. This is one of those songs where I'm listening to it, I just want to like sit and close my eyes type of thing. It really just kind of overpowers you and that's what I need from music personally as a listener. Like this album, I've been open about, I I like this album. To me, it's nowhere near her first five, especially her first four. Um, And I've also said in other episodes, especially like Never Forever ones, that for me personally, my Never Forever is her best vocal album. So that's far from this but I still really like what she's doing here. It seems very deliberate in terms mm-hmm. of conveying, just in being this character. And that's why I hesitate to make this analysis of the song too too biographical because she's always embodying a character. And maybe in this case, maybe it is her. Maybe she is going back to that fear, maybe, you know, of that day in the water with her dad, right? But I think mm-hmm. it's really this song telling a universal story of emotions everyone has felt at some point. On the one hand, it's, easy for anyone to tap into that and on the other hand very wonderful how well she did it what a great job she did of of tapping into that Mm -hmm. universal experience with just her voice but i mean as i said earlier as much as i'm analyzing the song's message it's really just the instrumentation and the sound that makes it one of to me one of her most underrated songs that people don't talk about enough um it's just really like it's it sounds like what the message is. And that's why I'm, I'm analyzing the message so much because they go hand in hand. And I'm, but like, this song just sounds incredible. Oh, I definitely, yes. you can speak more to it than me. But like, it's just, God, it's just fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just beautiful. And I just, as I said, what I want out of her, 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 the best songs, not just from her, but my favorite songs, period, are just ones that to me just don't really sound like anything else. And this song doesn't sound like anything else, and that's why for me it's definitely one of her best on this album. This album to me is a little too grounded in the real world for me in terms of, like just telling kind of like, like I said these more kind of pared down lyric songs that you can tell were made in 19- release in 1999 versus yes. like could have been made yesterday. And vocals aren't as interesting to me, but this song for me is a huge standout in her discography.
0: It is, and for me I I agree. For me it for me the fog is one of her most underrated songs. It's you, you get the atmos it's the it, the atmosphere and the way she's using her voice. And I totally get yeah the, her I, I think that um, yeah, her Kate's vocal approach from the beginning has always been more related to musical theater. I definitely agree because she's, it's because she's always trying to convey a character in a song and you don't you don't get that in much pop music usually whatever taylor swift is singing about it's going to be about her
3: (laughs) keyword and
0: um and that's the way it is for most pop singers if Billie eilish is singing about somebody it's probably her and what she and her brother are thinking about whatever thing
3: Um, or not you know i i think my being a kate fan has really Open my mind to just trying to not presume period that people are seeing it themselves not just her like who was oh. talking about this um it'll come to me in like in, a, in an hour but oh, there was gosh. someone who was oh, oh it was Mitsuki. okay so like so um miski um she was i was really interested with her so i'm a, as i said a huge film bust in a file. One of my top ten favorite movies is a two thousand one French movie called The Piano Teacher. And I was pretty shook, as I could say, to learn that Mitsky actually was inspired by that movie to in in her most recent album, Be The Cowboy. And that she was I was reading really this interview with her where she's talking about how there's like a specific narrator to this album and it's not her. And if you just listen to it, you would just kind of assume that it's her. So it yep. really doubled, it made me check that impulse to, be, to just assume that the person singing is the sing, is the musician, which I think is something that Kate has really opened the doors to.
0: So you had some uh, thoughts on the intro. I'm seeing looking at the notes. Oh,
3: yeah, I'm thinking of, <laughs> I mean, as I said, the, fir- in, the first time I heard this song, I was like, this is, um, is Britney Spears. This is Britney Spears. I But definitely. what you could do is literally play the opening of each song next I to each other. So, like, look. That's just, like, the first time I ever heard it. I like, I don't know. So this song, I didn't automatically love it. It took a while. But automatically, I was like, oh, this is the Britney Spears one. Because it's just that's the whole you see them all grown up now. I mean, like, her... In pop music history, her Britney's third self-titled album is like that's that's when she has slave for You" video. That's when she was the whole like I'm 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 sexy now, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting that her declaration of like of I'm an adult is like I'm quote, I'm sexualized now. And Kate is like I'm I don't know different. But um, but but it's interesting because yeah, like in the intro for I'm a slave for You." Since so I know it would be young, but I've got feelings too. So I need to do what I feel like doing. So let me go.
1: I know I may be young, but I've got feelings too. And I need to do what I feel like doing. So let me go. And just listen let me
3: go. Just like the fog, just saying. Um, but Brittany is launching let go, period. Like, she doesn't want to be held again. But she does, because in the song I'm slave for you, uh, I mean, the whole point is that she's in love with this person, because to the extent that she feels enslaved to them. And then also, the intro, were Overprotected, The whole, like, I need time, love, joy. I need me. I need time,
1: time, love, joy, joy, I need space, love, I need me.
3: Action! I just but this whole like spoken word intro of the fog. I was just like, this is her Britney song. <laughs> I love, I just love that. I mean, I'm a, that's my eight. I, I that was when I was growing up. But um, yeah. So they're kindred spirits
0: And on that note, let's see. Um, what else do we have to say about the song?
3: I'm a slave for it, I don't know. It's my thought. I love this song.
0: <laughs> I do too. Like this, this, this really had to. It grew on me, and I'm glad that it did. The, honestly, the whole album had to re- had to grow on me a little bit because I wasn't quite at the place in my life where I could understand a lot of what the songs were talking about. I hadn't, haven't had enough life experience, but now that I'm you know, 35 and been through some crap in the last year, then it it hits home for me more than it used to.
3: That's the power of art. That's what I love about the arts is that you revisit. Like I like to rewatch your movies every few years and having gone through the things in my life, it hits so differently. It's really beautiful how the arts does, arts do that for us. You know, like we, because it's about perception, like any type of media that we take in isn't just about the media that's there. It's also about the way that we're seeing it and how we're framing it through our own eyes and our own experience. And that changes as so be able to revisit something over time and have that change is really beautiful. I think for me personally, I do like the album. I'm never going to like love, love the album, no matter how, if I hit the most mature peak of my whole life, we will still think that it's not as good as the first five because I just, and that's where there is the piece where it's like, there's objectivity, like we all bring our own subjectivity. So our relationships things change over time. I do think from a musical standpoint, this album isn't as strong as the first five. I just think that's pretty objective. And I'm always right. But but I still, yeah, I think it's a, this song needs to get more love. It's still Kate Bush, you know? It's still mm-hmm. good. Like, even her, like, middling material is, like, decent. You know, it's, I mean, she has a few bad songs in her catalog. But even those, like, they're not 100% bad. They're bad because of, like, a specific thing if that makes sense Mm. or like it'll be catchy but cringy coffee the music here's yet again i I think i'm like there's a drinking contest someone probably has out there somewhere for me to say release dvds release dvd kate bye
0: (laughs) if there isn't then there should be
3: (laughs) yeah voice as an instrument check i used Mm. to say i specifically avoided using those words right now but i I I say that I'm,
0: i'm trying not to say those either but even though that's like if i have to describe her music because uh, that's what it is. I don't know if, I, I have to, if I'm describing like like other people who don't really know about her, except now they do it for me. <laughs>
3: yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. If you, like, it's like, if you don't know about her yet, don't worry, you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you get to know me. <laughs> Talk to me here. once, after next day.
0: No, I, I love this song as well. I love the... I love the atmosphere of the fog. I love that it that it just takes me into another world. Most of I th- I think that some of Kate Bush's best songs do that for me. They have their their mm-hmm. own self-contained universe that you just exactly. come back to time and time again. There's so much thought, there's there's so much love put into her songs, especially on this one. And the the personal connections that there's the personal connections that I have with this song and my own growing up and you know learning to put my feet down and realizing the water is only waist high, and realizing that things aren't so bad and and growing up and I've done a lot of growing up in the last year and I would even say a year and a half to two years and this that's when this song and the rest of the sensual world started to become a little bit more important for me because I started realizing, wait, I can kind of relate to this, or just, I was at the right time in my life for me to understand it more, and I think that the fog is with you. I think that she's that this is one of her most underrated songs it's just it's absolutely beautiful and hopefully you guys listening out there maybe go back and listen to the fog and like oh hey wait we i love how cecily and zoe talked about the song and now i love it too i'm a fan forever the hashtag fog forever or something like that
3: (laughs) yeah what's interesting for me is when i think of this song i actually have a visual image come to mind because the atmosphere i have come up to mind it's like a totally black background, which is, like, this mist driving, rising above it, and, like, yeah, it's just, it that doesn't, really happen for me with many songs, but I think the atmosphere of the song is so strong that it literally conjures an image.
1: Mm-hmm. For
0: me, it's, uh, it's thinking because I, where I live now, it's very rural, but there are a lot of rivers around here, and so I picture, like, one of these rivers that I am happen to be driving past, and I, maybe it's early in the morning or something, and I just... I see just the thick fog coming in from the from the Atlantic just kind of coming in and it, it's coming up over a little bit over the outer banks and coming out my way and you're just I'm just I'm looking out and I, it's so beautiful that I have to stop the car wherever I'm going and you know, I get out of my car.
3: Mm. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those songs for sure I, where you just, just have to like let it take, take you over yeah.
0: Like, I'm just like, no, no, I, this is so beautiful. I have to stop. And so I get off the side of the road, get off the side of a country road. And I'm just standing just in awe of this fog rolling in over the, over the river. And it's so mysterious. I mean, this whole area where I live now, it's so mysterious. Anyway, I live close to the Outer Banks in North Carolina. And there's, I think just because of of the, the history here with the, the uh, the Caroline Algonquians who were here first, and then the English, and then just everybody else, all this these things just coming together so much. We don't even know that's been lost to history and all lost in the fog. And just uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm rambling at this point, but that's what this song does to me. I just have to talk about it. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for being on the show as always. Oh my God,
3: it's always a pleasure. Mm-hmm. this is so good to do after like I, I after a year like there's no cause I've been on other podcasts or other interests of mine too and like there's just although this is my favorite to a podcast and B to be on and it's just there's nothing like the feeling of like just immersing myself in like writing down my and analysis and researching it's the best thing in the world I'd love to do it for a living so thank oh, you as always for having me I'm down to, it'll just talk about whatever <laughs>
0: well that's it for this week's episode of strange phenomena the music of kate bush thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode and i'm excited to be reaching out to you again next week (laughs) for an episode about track four from the sensual world reaching out. But first things first, if you enjoy this show, feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people better find the show. Hopefully a five-star review, though frankly, if you've made it this far, this must mean you love me. You really love me on my show. Yay. I hope so. Um, Also, you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Kate Bush podcast on the web at StrangeKateCast on Twitter and there's also a hotline so if you want to leave a couple of quick thoughts about a song you can call 1-757-349-6369 and your message might be played on a future episode also I'm on the web at kbcast.linkmedia.com and you can email me kbcast at linkmedia.com that's of course linked with an e also I have a patreon so you can go to patreon.com slash Kate Bush podcast and I'm going to be putting out some extra goodies for folks who want to help support the show so whew, yes lots of different ways that you can find me and my show And so happy that you guys have made it this far and i'm happy to continue on through the central world which is just a wonderful place to be ah and i hope you agree so join us next time i'm going to be reaching out to you for the song reaching out see everybody next time